Ahead of this episode, we wanted to flag that this particular instalment was recorded back in 2019, just a few months before all of us was acquired and became part of the Boston Consulting Group. Elements of their business have certainly changed, but their insights and point of view still very much hold true, so we felt it was a shame to simply commit this to the archives and instead chose to publish it and share their wisdom with the world. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Toby. We're the co-founders of Ask Us For Ideas, or Alfie as most people call it, where we help the world's most ambitious businesses, large or small, to connect with a collection of the best and most exciting creative agencies from around the world. Being at the intersection of these brands and creative teams for the best part of a decade has allowed us to get to know some truly exceptional people. This podcast, Private Views, aims to shine a light on that, with the first series publishing conversations inside some of the industry's most exciting creative studios, digging deep, looking beyond their portfolios, and into their unique experiences and thought processes. In this episode, we visit all of us here in London, a leading experience design and innovation practice with an office in San Francisco. Theirs is an agency that pushes the boundaries of what, in fact, a design agency does. Design, they say, isn't always an artifact. They hover somewhere between design agency, business consultancy, and startup incubator, working collaboratively with their clients to challenge their business models and operations, at times rethink their offer, and certainly always to change the way they relate to their customers. An important ingredient for all of us is technology. In an era where technology too often plays a heavy hand in our lives, all of us have honed an expertise in finding the right balance ensuring that products and services focus on customer experience and never tech for tech's sake. I think it's always starting with human behavior and a deep understanding of of human behavior. Once you actually find the the true need, uh, you can design around it. And that's when you, the right technology kind of surfaces. An expertise in technology and a 360 approach to tackling big problems have attracted major brands, Sky, IKEA, Nestle, Bloomberg and Microsoft, working with them on an incredible range of projects that have involved everything from helping Google prototype uses for micro-radar technology to working with London's Science Museum to improve science learning in young people through digital storytelling. Our producer, David Michon, visited all of us to discuss the end of advertising, the future of business, and how to use technology properly and strategically. So, hi, I'm... um I'm Phil, um, one of the founders of all of us. Too often, there is too much focus placed on the technology. And what we try and do is sort of come up and look at things more holistically. And we use a methodology which we call meaningful design, which is really about understanding the link between consumer behavior. So we never 
We should never be a hammer looking for a nail. We should be looking at things that make meaningful difference and meaningful, have a meaningful impact. And a lot of that is by understanding and decoding, um, identifying where there are problems with customers or behavior that we can then fix and do better with technology. But ultimately, you also have to link that to a, some sort of business performance or business attribute or business metric. So meaningful design is really about linking those three. It's about consumer behavior. And in a technology-driven world, consumer behavior and experience is becoming uh, the sort of uh, a key, key metric that drives everything, the business impact, and then what the technology allows you to do. Yeah, could you maybe elaborate a little bit on, on how you view these shifts in, in consumer behavior or what the consumer uh, kind of expects or wants from, from brands or services? Well, I think, I think the sort of paradigm shift really that we've experienced, particularly within the last 10 to 15 years, is the thing that most businesses are really struggling to keep on top of is, um, I guess, two things. Um, the, the pace of change um, and also um, a sort of consequence of that is, is this un unprecedented access that we consumers have for competitive services. And that's the thing that swung the pendulum in the favor of, of, of customers. So you ultimately, you know, I mean, we've all done it. I think um, essentially if you find something frustrating or slow or cumbersome to use, you can quickly sort of withdraw and go and buy it somewhere else or use another product. So the, the term of, you know, the, the term of user experience has become absolutely key. And that's really a, a lot of the focus on user experience is to um, try and do things better, faster, more efficiently, make life easier for, for, for customers. And that really is the focus. I think taking out friction, simplifying processes. And I think what that's really done is it's opened up industries and businesses that, you know, legacy businesses and really forced them to change. Because if you think about the way that they've been running and they've been structuring, it's really been the, the same for the last 50 to 100 years. And all of a sudden now you have a new vanguard of competition, the likes of Amazon and, and Uber and so on. We're operating in a completely different model um, and doing things fast. So a lot of what we have been doing is helping businesses make that shift identify you know, the types of products and services that they need to be offering. Um, and then obviously through the business, you look at the impact on existing operating models, teams, processes, business models, how they need to move faster in a more agile way to deliver uh, and hopefully build a future you know, for them. And, and do you think this is something that obviously challenges a, the traditional role of a, of a design agency or an advertising agency or these people who've been come, who have traditionally been asked to come in and, and help a brand kind of access new audiences or what have you? I, 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 profoundly, yes. I think that the role of design is, is changing. Um, I mean, I, I started my career in, in advertising and, um, and worked for you know, several of the big networks and agencies. And um, in the old days, you, know, um, you could transform or reinvent a brand by a campaign or a sort of brand launch. I mean, we all remember the likes of O2 and Orange and, and, and so on. And, and advertising was like a tap, you know, uh, in terms of its impact on sales. The more you spent on media, the better the campaign, the immediate impact on sales. Now, um, in a media-driven world, um, that, that, that works. But of course, the world is less media-driven than it was, largely through things like social media and, and so on, and technology empowering people to make better choices with more access to things. So um, I think the, 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 the big shift now has been, you know, if you're an agency or a consultancy, you have to be aligned to help businesses solve the big problems that they're facing today. 
And those problems aren't necessarily communication-driven uh, problems. They're really about dealing with this pace of change, um, helping them establish you know, what they need to do as businesses to change, to keep up with a new breed of competition. In terms of all of us itself, how do you how do you kind of remain abreast of, of changes in technology and, and kind of where that's headed, um, particularly in relationship uh, to kind of service delivery? Uh, I mean, on a, on a sort of number of levels, I guess as a design, you know, design f- to us anyway is, is fundamentally really about progression and innovation and so on. So clearly, you know, the, the type of people that we hire are just you know passionate about what, what can be done, how we can you know move move the world forwards if, without wanting to be too altruistic um, but we obviously do our own research projects we're constantly looking at new things trying to essentially um, decode new technological developments into things which we think could create meaningful experiences um, uh, we also incubate our own startups we've got some great success in doing that um, one of our um, Success Stories is a, is a business uh, sort of new learning platform, craft and learning platform called Yodamo. Um, and that allows us to sort of work outside of the parameters of a, of, a, of a more conventional brief that has other constraints and be sort of much more forward thinking in terms of how we do it. But also the, um, we always, the, the process that we go through um, is when we're working on a client project, a key part of that is always, always looking at that link between um, what technologically is driving change within a, within a category? How is that being decoded into new types of customer behaviors? And how can we start to bake that into a, a new business proposition or a new service proposition for, for our client that will help them, you know, sort of compete in, in the new market? My name is Sophie Rochester and I'm the CEO and founder of Yodamo. So with Yodamo, what we're trying to do is make making as easy as possible for people. So we're creating online courses that you can access anywhere and at any time around the world. And these are curated courses with carefully selected instructors that enable you to do making tasks from home. I think one of the first things um, that was really apparent working with all of us at the beginning was that they were much more ambitious than I was about technology and about how technology might work with the product with the product so I think perhaps partly because of the industry I'd just come from which was publishing industry and uh, platforms really were WordPress you know when you talked about platforms you'd be thinking about maybe adjusting a WordPress theme and uh, by working with all the all of us team what we were able to do was to to rapidly prototype a number of ideas we were really thinking about the technology that's around at the time. So one of the first exercises we did, which was brilliant, was working with Goldsmiths University and a group of students from Goldsmiths who came to the All of Us studio. And we split into three teams and looked at three key areas that we thought might offer some um, insight into what a Yodamo product might look like, not necessarily immediately, but over the long term, to try and really test the boundaries of what a product might look like. And those three areas were around voice technology, so thinking about if people were watching a video, whether or not they could stop and start it with their voice. Uh, The second one was around community, how you could work with um, creating online communities, which is often, when people are doing a workshop, it's often going to meet people that's important, so how do you replicate that in an online world? 
And the third one was around um, bite-sized content and about how you can break up content. And I think I would never have done that process on my own. You know, mm. as, certainly that's that's definitely where working with an agency really helps to be able to have the insight into how you structure those experiments. And of course, having the resource, which is having some developers and some designers that can start to mock up stuff really quickly. And then the real satisfaction of having some really early prototypes just to look at and consider whether or not those are paper prototypes or actually in the case of the voice activation thing, we actually had something working um, by the end of the day. So I think that was really, really useful. Wow. and, you know, I think something that is that seems really at the core of a lot of all of us work, which also seems to be very much at the core of Yodomo, is this is this uh, very thoughtful relationship between technology and analog experience, kind of human life <laughs> outside of the kind of digital sphere. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, one of the issues that that everyone finds with technology is that you can become really obsessed with what the technology does and stop thinking about how humans behave. So at the heart of it was always trying to think about how are learners already operating in this space? Um, how are they already using existing platforms? So there were a number of competitors out there already working with um, arts and crafts tutorials, for example. So trying to understand uh, how users were exist- using existing services was really important. And um, definitely just road testing things. So, you, you know, obviously they're working with a, um, a build, test, learn, iterate. And that was always built in from the beginning. So we would be trying things out and then getting people to use them very early on and really being out, even if that was a small group of people, because in our case, obviously, we were very small budgets at the beginning because we were just um, at incubation stage, but just trying to get people using what we built very, very early on and learning straight away and then iterating Obviously, you, you you know you're kind of in this position because you you had a good relationship with all of us before. But how how important is is that kind of chemistry in the fact that you've been able to you know push this idea forward? I think um, what you get when you work with all of us is they are genuinely passionate about the pro- projects that they're working on. And from day one, they've been really supportive of Yodomo as a concept and, and they've believed in it. I think that's the thing is they, they need to believe in the projects that they're working on. Um, so I think that, uh, yeah, having, having, that, having that team spirit where you're not, it's not sort of like agency client relationship. It's much more about how can we assist? How can we help? How can we advise? And thinking carefully, because obviously different clients have got different budgets and I would say importantly as well, like different clients have different outcomes. So for us, for example, uh, at the beginning, because we're startup rather than, you know, blue chip client, uh, there's an element of we're not looking for a perfect product. We're looking to get a product out to market as soon as possible and test it. Not every, in a way that's almost a luxury. Like I think for a lot of clients that feel, probably feels like a luxury and trying to take this attitude of, um, I think that's quite fun for, for all of us to have that contrast in their portfolio, that they are able to work with startups as well, where they can test some things out and then iterate rather than um, just always going out with like a full blown product, which is often inflexible and also actually probably quite dated as a mode for technology because we do just have to keep mo- moving and changing all the time anyway. And just as a final question, which is maybe a, a kind of a bit of a bigger question, but do you think that's, you know, do you think this kind of, I mean, and the answer seems obvious, but do, do you think this kind of attitude towards 
towards technology is is kind of really where things are headed, uh, really to kind of have it support um, kind of human activity rather than kind of exist for its own sake. I think technology has is totally under the spotlight now and, and whether or not it's a, a tool or an, an enemy of the human. And I think um, I, I wouldn't... We have this thing in the office, which is in the Yodomo team. So while Facebook's motto was move fast and break things, ours is move gently and make things. And I think globally, I think, um, I mean, even hearing it now on the investment circuit as well, is that this idea of kind of technology for technology's sake, not thinking about impact of growth and all of those really bigger macro things that are happening at the moment are really interesting and changing our attitudes towards technology. But the positive thing is that there is also this huge tech for good movement at the moment, which has been long-standing. But now I think it's even starting to seep into the kind of, um, into the mainstream really. So even Mark Carney two, two, three weeks ago was talking about how the investment sector is almost like the last sector that needs to think about sustainability and have a responsibility in the kind of projects they invest in. And, and most most businesses now have to think about the UN's sustainability, sustainability development goals. So I think all of this, this rhetoric is kind of building towards a technology can drive rapid growth, but should it? Uh, that's a really big question. I'm Ricardo Amorim. I'm a design partner here at all of us been here for a good three and a half years now. Design is kind of thought of in a very particular way at all of us as not necessarily a kind of end product, but much more as a, as a kind of process. So maybe you could even kind of elaborate on, on, on what your role really means and what design means uh, at all of us. Yeah, I think design is, is essentially problem solving, really. It's... Uh, looking at a particular problem from a number of different lenses and finding the most meaningful way of solving uh, whatever that problem is, right? So we have, um, that's why we have these multidisciplinary teams from a technology or more classical design perspective or from a strategy business perspective, and then tackling a particular problem from all these different angles, uh, over weeks together with a client or a partner, then we can really start to unpick what's the right thing that needs to be done to actually solve a particular problem and, and really get somewhere where we have true impact for, for a business when it's primarily rooted against human behavior and trying to understand that and kind of grow from there. Mm. Obviously, all of us is a, is a very kind of technology-driven um, uh, company, um, but uh, you know I think it is also very cautious to let technology kind of drive projects. Um, you know, there's a there's a, a kind of increasing awareness of of the ability of, of technology to um, kind of distract or alienate. So how do you how do you kind of find the balance between creating something that might be a really exciting kind of special moment with technology, but that doesn't you know kind of take away from a human experience or a presence? 
I think it's always starting with human behavior and a deep understanding of, of human behavior. Once you actually find the, the true need, uh, you can design around it. And that's when you the right technology kind of surfaces from, from that understanding of human needs. Uh, a really, I guess a really old example that goes from like the 1900s that, that, that kind of springs to mind is uh, the Michelin Guide and when it finally, you know, when it came to life. Uh, it came out of a, it started off with a business need. So obviously Michelin needed to sell more tires and they started thinking, well, uh, we got to get people to drive more so that the tires just wear out and then we can sell more tires, right? Uh, how do we do that? And then through purely from understanding humans' needs and behaviors, they started to find the passion points such as people love to eat, eat out. Uh, people love great restaurants. People love to drive. Uh, and then the platform or the, the, the book came as an idea, like, great, let's create a book that encourages people to drive more because they want to go from A to B. They want to go to a nice restaurant. They want to stay in a nice bed and breakfast or what have you. And, and then suddenly, so the book, which is in that case a very old piece of technology, came to address a particular need from a human perspective while also solving a business problem. So I think that's essentially the, 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 the philosophy that we try to follow. But nowadays, looking at you know artificial intelligence or machine learning or voice as, as the more you know current technologies, I feel like there must be quite a lot of trust on the part of your clients, um, simply because you're really asking them some existential questions, and they have to be prepared for you to say what you the problem that you're trying to solve isn't the problem that you need to be solving, or the solution that you've imagined isn't solving the problem that you, that you have. Um, how do you kind of gain trust, or, or how, is it just about kind of choosing clients with whom you have chemistry, or is, is there something that you kind of do to, to kind of build that relationship? That's a good question. Um, it's, it's especially hard or challenging when even the very first days, or sometimes too in the pitch mode with, with, with clients, right? So how do, you, how do you establish that level of trust, of understanding that design is a process and understanding that the process will really dictate the outcome um, and getting you know, clients to really commit to go on that journey together? But I guess what we've, uh, we've learned over time is that yes, chemistry is really important, but uh, luckily, the studio having been around for a good 15 years or so kind of helps us to back our process with a number of, of, you know, success stories in a number of different sectors from, you know, like big clients like Sainsbury's, Google, Nike, you name it, all the way to, you know, smaller startups, you know, younger companies that are really starting off. So I guess the combination of... Uh, you know, chemistry proved by our experience and our work together with as much as possible uh, demonstrating our process in that very initial meeting. So try to move away from, you know, 
presentations or decks and actually digging in, rolling up our sleeves and kind of working on a small piece of a problem together uh, from day one. It, it helps to kind of build that trust and establish that sense of a partnership rather than a client supplier relationship that can sometimes exist. I think it's, you know, it can also be overwhelming potentially um, for a client to kind of come with you and maybe they want to act fast because you know, their industries are changing rapidly. Um, and uh, how do you kind of, first of all, maybe get them to slow down and think more critically? And also how do you go about really accessing what it is that is, is kind of at the core of, of uh, their challenge? Um, you know, how is it that you kind of question um, what, it, you know, the brief that they've kind of sent through? There's nothing wrong with going fast or trying to go fast, right? Uh, I guess the, the compromise is usually, well, if you want to go fast, start small, go small and fast, and that's fine. Uh, there's a lot less risk if you're, going, if you're going fast and small in a small kind of controlled group, if you will, of trusted uh, uh, stakeholders or clients or, or consumers. Um, but it can't, fast doesn't mean you don't know where you're going, right? So it, while we always preach the agile methodology, working quickly, iteratively, um, together with clients, partners, and consumers, and kind of co-designing the solution together, um, it can't come at the expense of understanding where you're going. So I guess that's where iteration really comes into play. Um, being bold enough to know that as we learn through the design process, we, it is important to, to believe that you can pivot, that you can change, that you can just move directions. Uh, if you learn something's not working, there's no point in carrying on uh, with an original assumption, right? Um, I guess a lot of what our design process will unfold is, is the validation of assumptions that are usually coming from, from a business point of view, from being, you know, being kind of isolated in that bubble for, for a long time. Uh, and the design process can really kind of help validate some of these assumptions or discredit some of these assumptions so that we can move forward in a different direction. Hi, I'm Orlando Mathias, uh, co-founder of All of Us. Yeah, I'm curious about how you approach a business. And how do you kind of dissect a business and, and get to the heart of it? Um, what's your approach in kind of interrogating those briefs or those, those kind of aspirations? Well, we have a very um, honed um, process now um, around a sort of 12-week program that can vary between six and 12 or even longer sometimes but generally it's around that sort of 12 week which is you know immersion understanding really getting deep inside the business um, also at the same time looking out around either adjacent businesses or other like similar sort of um, sectors to try and paint a picture of what's going on in their business and how that looks against what other people are doing and then through that you create the hypotheses of what you want to go and explore and test and try and solve and then at that point you're making and you're prototyping and you're doing those things so applying those elements um, that first phase is really you know getting under the skin and that could just be interviews with 
key stakeholders and key people within the um, business. Um, a lot of the time it's identifying who those customers are, who the customers are, who the visitors are, whoever they are that they are actually delivering to. Identifying those and looking at it through those eyes to identify how they, you know, either the customer sees the business and at the same time how the staff and how the stakeholders see the business and you, you literally run through all aspects of it. Obviously the, the, the kind of technological landscape is, is a very fast moving, changing one. How do you provide for clients solutions that can adapt or, uh, you know, uh, kind of participate in those changes? I mean, surprisingly, after, you know, going on 25 years of doing this, um, although, yes, technology has massively sort of, you know, changed our lives and evolved and uh, big shifts you know, other than the mobile phone coming along and now allowing that sort of power in everyone's hands and people's um, fluency and understanding of how to use technology is massively improved, where before it was a lot about education of how to people to use touchscreens and how they can engage in that way. That's sort of becoming a natural and standard. standard. Um, but breakthrough things is really the application of that, not necessarily the latest piece of technology that we're having to worry about and keep up with. Obviously, things like artificial intelligence, machine learning, and that part of things, and augmented reality, I think they're gonna be things that we do have to now start to really start to educate and learn how to use those. They're inevitably gonna be massively impacting all aspects of our lives, and that it is naturally gonna be the way it's gonna go. And I think that's the biggest shift, and obviously voice and natural language recognition is something, and I think that's, um, I think behaviorally we understand how to use that, the right place and the right time to use it. There's still a learning curve around those things. But through the diversity of our portfolio and the type of clients we have, we're constantly applying these technologies in so many different sectors and different ways that the experience in the studio gradually, you know, is sort of innate in our sort of thinking anyway. I, I think we're, you know, from my perspective, uh, which you should uh, correct, <laughs> yeah. um, is that we're, we seem to be in a place where there's actually quite a lot of skepticism around technology. Um, uh, you know, people talk about kind of screen addiction or they talk about, you know, these, these kind of um, the business models behind giants like Amazon or Uber, yeah. or they talk about... Um, you know, even just this this kind of attitude of Silicon Valley that they they're kind of solving the world's problems when when really in some circumstances, it, it has emerged that they've contributed to them. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of you know curious, I guess, what kind of conversations you're having with your clients about technology and uh, a kind of consumer's relationship with it. Yeah, I mean, you know, fortunately, we're not in that. Um, marketing communication space and it's primarily why we like this sort of service side of what we do because to deliver a service that is efficient and that's going to work and that's going to meet the needs of people then that service needs to be the least amount of touch in their life as possible it's got to be efficient fast and comfortable and enjoyable to use and if something is trying to keep you locked into a particular app or pattern then for us that's a negative thing and so everything is about making it as efficient as possible, really. So you're not spending time on your phone, you're getting on with whatever you want to do. I'm thinking about just kind of putting together the team here at All of Us. Uh, what, 
you know, what to kind of look for in someone's background that, that would make you think that they kind of fit into this team and can, can deliver a service like that because it's quite, it's quite demanding on, on someone who's, who is a designer even to be, you know, not just kind of at their desks but really working together with clients. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's a hot, hot topic in a way because <laughs> it's very difficult, you know, um, finding people is, is, is hard and it's tough and there's a limited amount of people. And I think because of the world of um, the discipline of user experience has become the sought after um, sort of um, discipline um, and whether even the term user experience is the right term anymore. We were always playing around with different names. You know, experience designers, I guess, captures everything. Um, and that people can learn, essentially, it's been so componentized, the discipline of, of, of that experience design. It's become a methodology that you can read a book or spend two weeks learning a course and you can sort of call yourself that, um, which is fine on certain, certain aspects. But it, it's very much about, and it always has been, to be honest, whether whatever area you are in, but it's about how you communicate with both the client and the rest of your team. And it's being able to think and solve problems, but able to communicate those problems and work together. They're the main things, you know, for us. And it's having that strategic view of what design is, is fundamental now to everyone that we bring through. Yes, we need people just to get on and do it. And now some people still have to do, you know, the wireframing and the visual design and the programming. But we work so much as a collaborative team and in a, in a sort of agile way that all that team are working together. So everyone needs to understand the bigger strategic view of what they're doing. Orlando, thank you so much. Pleasure. That was producer David Michon visiting the London office of all of us. A big thank you from myself, Nick, and Toby for listening. Thank you also to the team at all of us and Sophie Rochester at Yodamo for their time. To Sean Crook for editing this episode. To George Grindling for the theme music and to Made Thought for private views as visual identity. To find other episodes, head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. And to find out more about us, please visit our website, aufi.com. We're also on social media channels using the handle at Ask Us for Ideas. And finally, please do share this episode, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and do listen to the others we put out as part of this series. Until next time. Oh,